0: Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today?
1: Jason, I'm doing okay. I hope you are. I'm doing wonderful, Bill.
0: Excited for the show. We were going over what we are going to talk about, and we've, we've got a long list of things to get to.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm starting to get excited because uh, next week, uh, that is the... You know, starting next weekend, uh, you know, it is uh, we're going on a a cruise to the Caribbean uh, out of Fort Lauderdale, and uh, I, I enjoy uh, cruises. Uh, you know, there's some folks who don't, but I do, and I love being in warm weather weather, and um, so I'm I'm looking for forward to a few days of relaxation and good food and, you know, <laughs> no stress.
0: <laughs> you know, with the way the weather's been, you just have to wait about a week to get your warm weather, but it's, it's usually only for a day or two, though. Uh,
1: well, this will give me a whole week of wonderful weather, <laughs> and then I get to come back to uh, the weather we have here, which I do appreciate winters here. I, You know, it's uh, important that we actually have... Um, at least two weeks of extremely cold weather, and you know, there's some years where we actually don't get, you know, super cold weather. Of course, we've already had one week of that, but you know, it's that cold weather that that kills the bugs that make summer so much more pleasant. And if we don't get it, the bugs take over. <laughs>
0: so. Well, no one wants that, but yeah, we've no
1: question about it.
0: Well, let's get to our first topic at hand. And on, on here, we've discussed uh, some things that can be very confusing for people, and that's Medicare and Medicaid.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, uh, a lot of folks get the terms confused. I, I really don't think that they confuse the concepts. I think they cons- they confuse the words. But, of course, Medicare is uh, a health insurance program for seniors, period, you know, and, and, and truthfully, um, we at some point, most of us are forced onto Medicaid uh, when we turn 65. There are some exceptions to that rule uh, when a person is still working and covered by a qualified employer plan. But uh, and and for those folks, they're you know not going on uh, Medicare uh, immediately is uh, generally a significant benefit to them, uh, primarily because Medicare has a bunch of gaps in it um, and and the like. And actually, the only uh, I mean, Medicare actually is a huge blessing to so many people. I have to say that uh, because it really is. Before before Medicare existed, there were a ton of people that had no insurance at all. And even though most people won't appreciate the fact that you know we didn't have Medicare before the 1960s, and what's really ironic is the fact that the medical profession. Uh, uh, was very much opposed to Medicare uh, when it was originally being discussed in, in Congress, uh, and of course, fact is is that once Medicare passed, uh, that that was the age when doctors became rich. Uh, now, of course, things change, and I have to say. Uh, doctors really don't fall into that category. Uh, at least most doctors don't. Most doctors today uh, make a, a good income uh, from their profession as they should, but uh, they don't get rich. I mean, after they pay their malpractice premiums, uh, you know, they have enough to, for a, a decent meal. But. <laughs> I've, and, you know, the, I do, uh, from a public policy perspective, one of the real tragedies in our healthcare system is that doctors who want to continue to work when they get to retirement age, but they they don't want to work full time. They want to slow down, and, and that's exactly where I am in my practice. I, I want to continue working for a long time, but I also want to slow down, have more time off, more, more cruises, uh, more good vacation times, and things like that. Doctors, unfortunately, and it's all because of malpractice premiums, uh, doctors have to pay a huge amount. And for a doctor who wants to work part-time, the malpractice premiums basically mean they can't, if they want to do it, and be protected. They they um, they can't make any money because malpractice premiums eat up anything that they might charge uh, to, to be able to do it. So you know there are a number of doctors that at that point uh, might um, offer their services overseas or think something along those lines. Um, but it's a real. I mean, we lose so much brain power. And quality of life in terms—I mean, think of all the communities that don't have uh, doctors. uh, And part of it is because doctors who want to retire but continue to work cannot do it. And, you know, truthfully, I think that's something that our uh, policymakers could change if they just would. (laughs) But uh, it's—but, okay, going back to Medicare. I get off the—you know, Jason, you're not doing a good job. You— you're supposed to keep me on task, and here I just go off. The and- problem is your, <laughs> your
0: tangents are often interesting and informative, so it's, it's
1: I feel bad stopping. Well, okay. Well, anyway, Medicare is a a wonderful health program. It's certainly not perfect. It's got lots of holes and gaps in it, uh, where um, uh, uh, most families who take traditional. Medicare uh, actually purchase supplemental insurance. You know, Medigap, Medicare supplement type insurance policies that fill in those gaps. And then there's another group of folks. About half uh, start choose what's called a Medicare Advantage plan, and and this is where it gets complex as a senior because. Uh, It's important for seniors or someone on their behalf, uh, you know, uh, to review their policies every year. If they have a Medicare Advantage plan or uh, a drug plan uh, that's separate from Medicare, you know, it's a Medicare Part D plan, but if they have a separate Part D plan, then it's it's hugely important to review that plan every year to make sure that the prescriptions that are taken are still part of the plan at low cost. And because quite frankly, uh, most seniors have to move from one plan to another plan occasionally. Uh, And it can be very, very confusing for anyone and i'm talking about educated people i'm not talking i mean you know it's the kind of thing where it's confusing and and that's one of the real negatives in the system because there's so many gaps and you know, sometimes and and then, and then of course not all plans are available in all places you know it's it's a regional type of thing so that's important for folks to understand uh, that it's their responsibility to look every year, uh, and, and if it's kind of thing where if you're one of those that doesn't do it, or, or is so confused by it you don't know what to do, then you really need. There are some. Um, uh, insurance companies and and by companies, I'm not talking about the insurance, the insurance company providing the insurance. I'm really talking about some independent companies that that's what they do. They help seniors choose which uh, plans are appropriate for them based on their personal circumstances. and and I encourage people to use those. Um, those companies because it really, you you can get better care at lower cost as long as you have somebody helping you make those choices. And that's what most people need. Now, okay, so we have, now, if you have supplemental health insurance, then it pays into the gaps when Medicare actually pays. But when Medicare doesn't pay, typically your your supplemental insurance no longer pays either. In other words, it pays the gaps when Medicare pays. But if Medicare excludes it, then oftentimes your health insurance will exclude that as well. So your our health insurance is important to us. Now, Medicaid, uh, the difference is Medicare is not a means-tested program. It's a program that applies to folks who are very, very poor and it applies to those who are very, very rich. It doesn't matter uh, how much you have. Uh, Medicare is a plan that you, um, you get when you're 65 or, or no longer uh, working. And um, so that is important. Of course, it all, Medicare also applies to those folks who are younger than 65 when they're blind or disabled. Uh, they, they don't get it immediately upon going on disability, but um, they get it very soon thereafter in most cases. Uh, but uh, now, Medicaid actually pays for many things that Medicare does not pay for. So it's much broader, uh, and it, it it's huge as it relates to uh, the special needs community. Uh, because it provides um, uh, the the uh, cost of group homes. It pays for far more in terms of, of medical and complete coverage than Medicare does. But Medicaid is a means-tested program, which basically means it, it's based upon how much income you have and what assets you have, and it's complicated. So, uh, but uh, you know, for instance, Medicaid—if you need nursing home, will pay for nursing care, uh, where Medicare does not. Medicare only has a very limited exception for a few days, and then it's private pay. And you know, when families see that the cost of care is going to be eight or nine or ten thousand dollars a month, it's like whoa. We're, we're not going to have any anything left after a, a few months or a year or two, and everything's gone. So, you know, uh, Medicaid planning, you know, in terms of uh, a lot of, of course, what I've said often is that if, you, if your loved one requires nursing care, with professional help, middle-class families can be on Medicaid very quickly. Uh, you know, there are a lot of folks that think, Oh, you got to do your planning five years before you ever need it. That's not true. Not if you have a good planner anyway. So there are a lot of things like that. Now, one last thing about Medicaid, and that is that for, since COVID, for the last two plus years, uh, states, based on federal law, have not been able to kick anyone off Of Medicaid, so if you applied for Medicaid or you were already on Medicaid when COVID hit, no matter what in terms of change of circumstances, um, you're still on Medicaid because the states could not take you off of the Medicaid rolls. Um, Now, the what a lot of folks don't realize is that there are a lot of folks on Medicaid. Uh, who are living, you know, who uh, have very little and they they depend on it. But the, those folks need to make sure that they qualify because on a year-to-year basis, about one-fifth of the folks who are on Medicaid normally come off of Medicaid because they no longer meet the test, the means tests uh, that are required. So, Coming April 1st, April Fool's Day this year, the states are allowed to basically assess people to, um, in essence, take them off of the Medicaid rolls. So that doesn't mean that it will happen on April 1st. It means that that's when the reassessments begin. And uh, many, many states will be aggressive at that point to reduce their roles, and and there's, you know, since they haven't been able to take anybody off, there's probably a high percentage of folks that are no longer qualify to be on Medicaid, so for, for those folks who still need the Medicaid, you may need to seek assistance to make sure that you still qualify um, when, when you get reassessed.
0: You don't want to be caught with any surprises in that regard, so that is wonderful advice. If you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill, maybe set up some documents for yourself or have your legal documents reviewed, go to WGALaw.com. That's how you can schedule some time to speak with Bill. That's also where you can go to find information about Bill's free webinars. WGALaw.com is the website Click on the seminars button to learn more about Bill's free webinars. If you want to learn more about Medicaid in terms of what it can do for you with dealing with uh, costs of long-term care, or if you want to learn more about VA benefits when it comes to long-term care as well, this is a wonderful free opportunity for you to learn about some subjects that tend to carry a lot of misinformation, and half-truths. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more. You can also register for Bill's webinar on asset protection and trust planning. WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, February 8th. Wednesday, February 8th. Be sure to sign up. There's no cost associated with this. It's just a wonderful free educational opportunity for you. You can call, also call the office, 919 256 7,000, 919 256 7, We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill, find information about his free webinars, as well as information on scheduling an appointment to speak with Bill. If you need the expertise and guidance of an elder law attorney, go to WGALaw.com and schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill I've been doing this program with you long enough to know that, you know, we often hear of the retirement dream afterwards, and maybe downsizing a little bit. But you've, you've tend to throw a cautionary tale when it comes to considering downsizing.
1: Well, the, I, I oftentimes have folks who are retired or close to retirement. And uh, they're actually, uh, for lots of different reasons, they are considering um, selling their home uh, and moving. Uh, And oftentimes I hear uh, the words, we're moving to downsize, to have something a little smaller. And, And in essence, what they're thinking is, it, if we downsize uh, it, uh, it will be a little less expensive. There'll be less to take care of and maintain, uh, which is sometimes true and it's often not true and And of course, uh, down quote downsizing isn't necessarily what the intentions are. So, you know, when people are thinking in terms of, okay, we're getting older, uh, I'm tired of having to maintain the yard and this house is big to maintain and all that good stuff, does it really save you money to move? So, uh, and the answer to that is often no, it doesn't save you any money. It actually costs you money to move. Now, why is that? Well, think about it. If you move, number one, you got to pay um, commissions and fees, realtor fees, legal fees, uh, the whole bit. Plus, you you have to find whatever else you want to move to and where you want to move, those kind of things. But the bottom line is if you're actually downsizing, uh, getting into a smaller place for whatever reason, Again, when you buy, you again have to pay a lot of fees and do it, and then you get into your new house, and guess what? Your old furniture doesn't fit, so you not only have to get new drapes, new um, uh, uh, new, you oftentimes have to buy new furniture to fit in the smaller rooms that you've just purchased. Um, And then you have the moving expenses to boot. So when you add up all the fees, commissions, uh, and costs of moving, uh, and then add on the the new furniture and furnishings that might be required, plus the stress of getting rid of all the stuff you've you've accumulated over the years, um, it's actually a fairly expensive proposition. And your ability to make that money back over your life expectancy is probably slim and none. So if you're, I mean, the fact is, is oftentimes there are a lot of other considerations that really should rule the roost in terms of whether you should move or not. And the first one being, are you happy where you are? In other words, do you like your house? Do you like your neighbors? Do you like where you live and the benefits of living where you live because uh, that can be meaningful to people. Um, the, the, uh, another f- huge factor is wh- why do you really want to move? Is it because you'd like to be close to your grandchildren? That's a pretty good reason. I mean, generally, uh, people don't move to be close to their kids. They move to be close to their grandkids. That's, that's, uh, that's certainly a legitimate r- reason uh, if, if that's what you want and it's worth the cost to you. Uh, and, of course, the other thing is does your house actually accommodate you uh, for uh, growing older? Uh, in place. In other words, do you have a downstairs master bedroom? Uh, do you have wide doors for your bathrooms and, and and the like? And so does your home actually accommodate you growing older? Um, so, and then of course the other thing, which uh, it's kind of thing, also your age and your health makes a difference. Because I know lots of folks who are 75, 80 years old, and they're just as as, as spry and uh, and active as 50-year-olds. But at the same time, I also know 70-year-olds that barely, uh, you know, can get from one room to the other. They've got lots of health issues and uh, and the like. So obviously, your age. Uh, I mean, actually, from my perspective, your health age as opposed to your age age uh, is a critical part uh, of the the thinking because the fact is okay you downsize uh so you you're thinking about a townhouse well heck a a townhouse in almost every situation the unless you have an elevator the bedroom's going to be on the second or third floor not the not the main floor that's a negative so yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing where you got to be smart and also at a certain age you can't assume that you're going to live forever. And is it smart to buy a house when your life expectancy might only be 5 years or so? You know, if you were um moving into an area for a new job, and it was likely that you're going to be transferred in four or five years, most professionals would tell you under those circumstances you're better to rent than to buy. Well, when you're a senior, even though you got some money in your pocket and you could buy a place, you have to understand all of the expenses uh, that go into purchasing and then the additional expenses of selling uh, upon your death, so there are a lot, and so you know. Why are you moving? Are you moving because you you've always wanted to be at the beach or in the mountains, or you've wanted to uh, be close to your grandchildren? You know, you know, the, all of those factors move in. But are you going to save money by moving? And the answer to that is probably no, <laughs> not even close. But but it's still worth. A consideration. You
0: just need to explore all the factors because often there are unintended consequences when it comes to making a major decision like that. So as Bill said, you know, make sure that you really walk yourself through the process and understand the actual cost of making a move like that. If you want to learn more about Bill, go to WGALaw.com. That's also where you can go to register for Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, February 8th, if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance that may be available to you when dealing with the astronomical costs of long-term care, this is a wonderful free opportunity for you to learn more about Medicaid and VA benefits that may be available to you. This is also an opportunity to learn more about asset protection and trust planning. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. You can also call the office. The phone number is 919 256 7,000. 919-256-7000. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill, schedule an appointment to speak with him. Maybe you've got some documents that you haven't had reviewed in, I don't know, 10 or 20 years. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to have them reviewed by an elder law attorney. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're going to get into a discussion shortly on 529 plans and saving for uh, future college funds but before we do that one or tie a bow on the downsizing conversation well,
1: well one last uh, comment about uh, you know does your home accommodate uh growing old in, in that home if you love your home and it's a fairly large home uh but let's say that you're uh, bed your master bedroom is upstairs, not downstairs, uh, on the main floor. Well, obviously that's an issue for a lot of seniors because uh, not having steps uh, is a big factor uh, when you're older. Um, but what I'm a lot of folks don't consider it, but sometimes, uh, if you have a home that would accommodate an elevator, it's less expensive to put an elevator in your home than it is to uh, move. I mean, if you think about the cost of moving versus the cost of adding an elevator to your home, uh, sometimes an elevator is actually a better idea. If you love your home, love your neighborhood, love, you know, uh, th- your neighbors and all that good stuff, then and th- there's also a, a new type of elevator. Um, uh, that's called a stilts, uh, uh, and it's S-T-I-L-T-Z, something like that. Um, that's less expensive than a, a normal elevator, but that works really well and accommodates a wheelchair-bound uh, person. Um, that you know is a, a, a less expensive option, but apparently works extremely well and takes much less space than a traditional elevator. So that's another option um, that typically works better than like a Stairmaster type thing that, you know, those don't work that great for most people. Uh, uh, but elevators and these stilts um, elevators tend to work extremely well. Uh, and like I said, uh, oftentimes that may cost you about the same as what a move would make, and you'll be a whole lot happier staying where you are. So anyway, that's the last I have to say about that. But um, last week, I talked uh, a little bit about uh, the Secure Act two that Congress just passed, and one of the things that they did was they allow 529 plans to be converted to Roth IRAs for the, the 529 beneficiary. So uh, just to make sure everything is clear, what's a 529 plan? It's an educational plan that typically people, uh, parents and grandparents create uh, for college in essence, to help pay for college uh, for uh, their children and grandchildren. Uh, Now, a 529 plan can be created, um, you know, uh, every state has their own 529 plans, and and the states do have uh, some um, rules about their own 529 plans in terms of limitations and things like that. But for most of us, we wouldn't consider it limited at all. And sometimes I have not in the past uh, been a big advocate for 529 plans simply because uh, the investments were limited. And, you know, I like the ability to have a lot of flexibility on investments for folks uh, because I don't like arbitrary limitations on how we invest um, uh, in, you know, those kind of things. But... Now that you can convert to um, Roth at a later time if the money's not used for educational expenses, that is a huge advantage for a lot of 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 kids. Um, now, it's not as big an advantage as um, as I was hoping for but it's still advantageous Um, now how does it work number one uh, 529 plans um, don't have really limitations on how much you put into them year to year Um, and in other words there's there's no cap on how much you can actually contribute to a 529 plans but most people want to stay under the annual exclusion amount so they don't have to file a gift tax return. So how much is that? This year it's gone up to $17,000 per person. That's the annual exclusion amount for gifting. Um, a lot of folks still think it's $10,000. No, it last year it was $16,000. This year it's $17,000. Um, and so for instance, one person could do a five twenty nine plan for up to seventeen, thousand uh, dollars. Now, two people, husband and wife could actually do thirty four thousand dollars in one year. Uh, now, to convert to Roth now uh, th- one other thing about the um, depending on the state where you're in, uh, you don't get any um, Benefit federally in terms of creating a 529 plan, other than after you've created it, it grows income tax free. But in order to fund it, you're using after tax dollars. Um, Now, on the state side, however, a lot of states that have an income tax uh, give you a tax credit or a tax deduction. Uh, for creating a 529 plan for your children or grandchildren. So that is that is beneficial. Once it's established, it grows income tax-free. And if you use it for educational expenses, it, it comes out income tax-free. So all good. Now, when it comes to conversion to Roth, uh, unfortunately, because I wish we could do something about this, but you have to have the 529 plan for a minimum of 15 years before you can convert uh, and you can you're limited on how much you can convert for one beneficiary can only convert up to thirty five thousand dollars so the intention is you use it for college but you have money left over and you can convert it to roth Uh, now what's a roth ira A, a roth retirement account is an account that is, um, you know, after-tax money. In other words, you've already paid the income tax on the money. You've used it to fund the retirement account. It grows income tax-free just like other retirement accounts. But the difference is when you make distributions from it, uh, it comes out income tax-free. That's a pretty nice, sweet uh, benefit plus it's asset protected, so all, all good. Now with a Roth, uh, you can't take anything out for five years once it's created, uh, and at least until you're fifty-nine and a half, which is when you can start drawing. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, based having read the Internal Revenue Code regarding it, and it's not as clear as it should be, but. Once you're 59 and a half, I'm, I'm not aware that the five year rule actually continues to exist. Uh, and then the, um, um, uh, so there's a five year rule uh, for folks uh, until you're 59 and a half. Um, but it, you know, it is a retirement account. So the bottom line is the intention is you allow it to grow for, uh, you know, after you finish college and, you know, if you have $35,000 uh, that you've converted to Roth when you're 20 years old, uh, that uh, can grow substantially. Now, if you could do it when you're a one-year-old, it would grow a heck of a lot more because you got 20 extra years for that tax-free growth. Um, that's one of the reasons—now, all right, sorry, so I'm going to leave that. I'm just saying that there's some limitations on moving it into a Roth, but that's a huge blessing because you can fund your 529 plan, and for somebody who doesn't need that money, you know, they don't go to college, they go to, you know, a technical school, or they uh, go to a, a, a less expensive school or the like, and you got money left over, uh, then— uh, you have the advantage of moving it into a Roth, which is a huge benefit for that child. So anyway, it's worth looking at at this point. Um, now, when it comes to creating wealth over time, uh, one of the things that I talk to clients about all the time uh, it is how you can purchase a life insurance policy for a young child that will grow into a multimillion-dollar uh, asset. Uh, do I have time to talk about that, or do we need to take a break? Well,
0: let's take a quick break, and then we can hop into that one. That's, I think, some good advice, and I want to make sure that you have an ample amount of time to dig into that. This has been a, a very informative segment. And, hey, if you want to get a hold of Bill, go to Law. Com. From there, you can register for Bill's free webinars by clicking on the seminar button at the top of the page. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance that may be available to you, as well as asset protection and trust planning, this is a wonderful free opportunity for you. Bill's next set of webinars are Wednesday, February 8th. Bill does this the second Wednesday of every month. Go to WGALaw.com, click on that seminars button at the top of the page to register for free. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill by going to WGA Law.com. WGA Law.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, just before the break, we were talking about 529 plans, and then we were having a, a real short discussion on life insurance and how that can be a very powerful tool when it comes to Uh, accumulating wealth over the the length of a child's life?
1: Well, not all life insurance policies, but for instance, if you buy a policy for a young child, say that's one year old or two years old or so, um, and it's a policy, you have to understand that life insurance can be designed for the purposes that you seek, which is not simply a death benefit. uh, And so... If you uh, buy a well-structured life insurance policy that's actually structured for cash value buildup rather than maximizing death benefit, and that's what you want because what you're really trying to do is maximize cash value over a child's life. And if you think about it, if you buy a policy when a child is a year old and they retire when they're 70— then uh, a life insurance policy that's structured properly can grow. You got 69 years, okay, uh, and, and then hopefully another 25 years plus in retirement. Uh, what that does is it creates a multimillion-dollar policy. As long as you fund about $50,000 over a 10-year period or 15-year period, um, you f- you know, adequately fund the policy. So if, as an example, you might, uh, and this is, I, mean, I have a grandchild on the way, um, so this is something that I plan to do as soon as the the child is insurable. I'll put $5,000 a year for 10 years. Then I don't have to put any more money into the policy, and that policy will grow to a multimillion-dollar cash value when the child is 70, assuming that um, the child doesn't borrow money against it and not not pay it back. And Now, what does that mean? That means I've created a retirement fund for this child. The child can borrow $15,000 a month uh, for retirement, and it's tax-free because a loan is not income. And truthfully, the longer the child lives, the more uh, cash value is available for their own children. So, you know, if a person lived to be 100, there'd be probably $3 million left for their children over and above what they've borrowed. If they died, you know, at 75 or 80, there'd be less money. It's really amazing what these policies, if they're structured properly, will do. And the other advantage, because, see, my real concern is not about the ability of a child to go to college. There are a hundred ways you can get to college. But what you can't do is is finagle a way to retire if you don't have money. So, And I do believe that uh, our, this next generation is going to have great difficulty saving enough money and having enough money Uh, to retire Um, so this is a way to ensure that your children or grandchildren have a way to retire when you're long gone but from my perspective I've never seen anything better life insurance is asset protected creditors can't take it away from you can't force you to to pay them off with the cash value you have uh, can't make you liquidate your policy, so it's asset protected inside the policy. It grows income tax free. Uh, you can borrow against it income tax free, and the death benefit pays out income tax free. And if you put the policy in an irrevocable life insurance trust, which of course we do as well, then that policy is not part of your taxable estate. You know, in other words, there's no death tax, no estate tax on that policy for you or your family. Well, to me, that's pretty sweet. Uh, Now, if you did a 529 plan with a Roth conversion of $35,000 when a kid's 20, I suspect $35,000, well-invested, could make a million dollars or so for retirement purposes, but it's going to be part of your estate no matter what because you can't take it out of your estate. It's
0: interesting to consider when it comes to giving a gift to our children and grandchildren. That's something that uh, could be a very powerful tool and powerful resource for you. If you want to learn more about bills-free webinars, go to wgalaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page. You can learn more about Medicaid, VA benefits, and other financial assistance that may be available to you when it comes to dealing with the Extreme costs of long term care. You can also learn more about asset protection and trust planning by going to wgalaw.com and clicking on the seminars button at the top of the page. We're taking a short break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com to register for Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, February 8th. WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button at the top of the page. That's also where you can go to schedule an appointment to see Bill. If you want to have your documents reviewed or speak with an elder law attorney, that's the best place to go. WGALaw.com or call 919 That will do it for us today On behalf of Bill Alexander I'm Jason Kong Thanking you so much For listening to Asset Protection Today With Attorney Bill Alexander Have a wonderful day